think I'm on. Good. Let's, uh, let's pray real quick. Lord Jesus, we know that you are present with us today. Give us peace. Give our world peace. Give us eyes to see that your kingdom has come. And help us to live righteously in the light of that new reality. Amen. Amen. So as mentioned before, I might be a little hot on this mic. Um, as mentioned before, I know, hot mic. Um, I was going for a hot preacher award today, but it, actually it's the mic that's hot. So uh, as mentioned during each week, uh, uh, we, we have this college of preachers, and, it, and our leadership team here at the table has set that up because we believe that proclamation of good news is, is the work of the people, uh, not just someone that, who is uh, special and has been anointed um, up in front of you. So with that being said, we get to proclaim the good news to each other right here in this moment, and I start by saying, the Lord be with you. Thank you. For those uh, who don't know me, my name is Andy Knopfmeyer, and I'm one uh, among the College of Preachers. Um, and uh, I stand before you not as a paid professional, <laughs> but as, as one among you. Um, and um, uh, today, what we're going to look through is uh, continue our Sermon on the Mount series, as the Sermon on the Mount is Jesus' manifesto uh, of how to live righteously in the kingdom. All right, so we'll do a quick review. Ben Sternkey on week one set this up, uh, set this uh, manifesto up as uh, he set the stage uh, that Jesus was teaching his leadership team. He took his leadership team, his disciples, up on a mountain um, and taught them, started telling them stories and illustrations on, uh, about this new reality of God's kingdom here on earth. And this was Jesus' response to what the good life looks like. And then the second week was Spencer Ruark's sermon, and, and that taught us that the Beatitudes didn't reorder who was important in society, but that all have access to God's kingdom, that the powerless sit at the same table as the powerful and the spiritually elite, and that, that everybody on the earth is salt and light. Everybody who tastes the kingdom can now be salt and light. And so with this week, we start with a Bible verse. It comes from Matthew chapter 5, verses 17, and I'm going to skip over a few and go to verse 20. It says, don't misunderstand why I have come. I did not come to abolish the law of Moses or the writing of the prophets. No, I came to accomplish their purpose. But I warn you, unless your righteousness is better than the righteousness of the teachers of the religious law, and of the Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Wow, that escalated quickly, did it? <laughs> I mean, so he, he, it's like he spoke with one authority, and it's like, whoa, wait a minute, hold on now. So um, I, don't, I, I don't know if you guys saw this a couple weeks ago, um, but Fish, Money magazine, magazine named Fishers the best place to live in America in 2017. Everybody see that? Yay. Yay, Fishers. Sorry, Bates Hendricks. Yay, Fishers, right? So 
But like, if you if you read the article, you see some of the reasons. Like, there's economic growth. There's uh, there's this entrepreneurial vibe of the city of Fishers. We've got Top Golf. We've got IKEA. We've we've got this We've got software development companies and Internet of Thing companies and like all these companies wanting to uh, dig some roots in the city of Fishers. Uh, uh, Applebee's, yes, um, but also, whenever you talk to some, of, whenever you talk to some of the residents, you hear things like good schools, low crime, those kinds of things, right? Three days, two or two or three days after this Money magazine comes out, there is a shooting at a local restaurant <laughs> in Fishers, Indiana. I mean, you couldn't, you couldn't have timed it more perfectly. <laughs> so what I want to walk through today is that how many of us, how many of us have produced a safe and secure life by either knowing stuff about Jesus or doing stuff in the name of Jesus? How many of us have found a sense of safety in a community because we have good schools or a low crime rate? Or how about this? Um, how many of us think we, are we, we, we feel this sense of safety and security because we are following Jesus the right way and met, you know what, and those people over there, that church over there, is following Jesus the wrong way. Or they're, maybe they're not following Jesus the wrong way. They're just not following like us, so, but we're doing it the right way. So we're okay. We're okay as a church. But friends, today I stand before you that in a world where people think that they can secure a good life through their goodness... We proclaim the good news that Jesus meets us in our badness and gives us new kingdom life. You see, the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, they relied on the words of the law and the works of the law. And I don't know if we have the, yep, that's, that's your cue. <laughs> they relied on the words of the law and following the rules of the law. We call them the works of the law to find their sense of belonging in society, to find their sense of security. Their sense of security in society was through their knowledge and their know-how, right? But Jesus says in, five, in Matthew chapter 5, verse 20, unless your righteousness is better than the righteousness of the teachers of the law, then you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. He's telling the disciples that the works or that the words of the law or the doctrine or, or the, in the uh, works of the law, they're important, but they are very insufficient in living this kingdom life. And I can only imagine, if you're like me, right, I can only imagine what they must have been thinking at that time, right? So here they are on this hill. Jesus is like, okay, I'm about to give you some answers, right? Or at least that's what we think. I'm going to give you answers on how to live rightly in the kingdom, okay? And the disciples' imagination so far has been, okay, I know, I, 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 know, I know the rules, and I'll just follow the rules, and the kingdom will just, like, usher forth because I'm following the rules, right? 
But actually, whenever Jesus says, unless your righteousness is better than the righteousness of your ancestors, the disciples were probably thinking, as I'm thinking, well, then who can be saved? Like, how, how, how is that possible, right? Well, Jesus, because he's a good teacher, starts giving them illustrations. Now, mind you, the Sermon on the Mount isn't something where we listen to the words of Jesus and analyze what he says, just for information, just for like, okay, how can I be okay? Like, how do I be a good Christian, right? What the Sermon on the Mount is, Jesus is asking us, just sit and listen to my words and trust me at my words. So in Matthew chapter 5, verse 21 through 22, it says, you have heard that our ancestors were told, you have heard that our ancestors were, or that our ancestors were told, you must not murder. If you commit murder, you are subject to judgment. Duh. Everybody knew that back in that day. But Jesus takes one step further. He says, but I say, if you are even angry with someone, if you're, you are subject to judgment. If you call someone an idiot, you are in danger of being brought before the court. If you curse someone, you are in danger of the fires of hell. Now, here's, here's the deal, friends. Jesus is making very explicit that not murdering someone is insufficient for kingdom living. He did not come to abolish the law, but to fulfill it. Because the law reveals, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to jump ahead in my sermon a little bit. The law re- reveals what is actually going on inside of us, what is actually in our heart. You see, the disciples' ancestors found a sense of safety and security knowing the law and doing what it said, which included, thou shalt not murder, right? But kingdom life is beyond knowing the rules. Kingdom life is beyond following the rules. Okay? I know. I'm about to preach here. (laughs) So, um, Laval Jordan, uh, I don't know if you guys know Laval Jordan. Uh, he is the new head coach of Butler University. I didn't know if you knew that uh, I'm a huge Butler basketball fan, but I want to make that explicit today. Um, and uh, if you want to find all things holy and good in college basketball after this past week, become a Butler basketball fan. So he tweeted out this past week, he said, everything that happens on the outside of us is a result of what happens on the inside, what we believe on the inside. And in my life, I've learned that, and in my life, I've learned that anything that is going on on the outside of me is a result of something that's going on the inside. Friends today, and I am lost in my notes, and I apologize. Friends today, that in a world where people think that they can secure a good Christian life through avoiding their badness, 
we proclaim good news that Jesus helps us move through our pain and into good life. Um, can I borrow something? Can I borrow that, Ignacio, the, your, uh, the Bible verse that you read, please? So because, because uh, the disciples were probably thinking, oh my gosh, how can I, what are you talking about? How do I step into this new kingdom life? Jesus starts talking and uses an illustration about anger. He said, you have heard it said to the people a long time ago, don't murder. Anyone who murders is subject to judgment, but I tell you that anyone who is angry with a brother or sister is subject to judgment. You see, back in that day, the ancestors, the teachers of the law, the Pharisees, they produced this sense of security and safety in knowing the law and doing what it said. And what safety and security gives us sometimes, or even like living in a city like Fisher's, it produces this sense of power. Like we can, we can leverage our power, we can leverage our safety and security to feel good about ourselves. But I tell you what, in my life, in my life, power is just a hiding place. Anger gives me this sense of power. And anger protects me from what's really going on in the inside. Just like physical pain notifies your body that there is something physically wrong, anger is a natural outward response of a painful internal emotion. And I've learned that anger and contempt and defensiveness are all just hiding places for guilt or fear or sadness or powerlessness. Jesus' purpose illustrating about anger wasn't just so how we would learn how to manage our anger better. Like a sin management program, he wanted to reveal and redeem our source of anger. He wants to redeem our sadness. He wants to redeem our pain. He wants to redeem our hurt. He's going after the roots of your soul, not just the fruits of your action. Jesus isn't saying to manage your anger better, but to move through it. And that's where you will find kingdom life. In a world where people think they can secure a good Christian life through their goodness or avoiding their badness, we proclaim the good news that Jesus helps us move through our pain and into new life. So how do we live into that kind of kingdom? Well, you're in luck. I'm about to give you answers. No, I'm kidding. No, Jesus, like I said, Jesus was an excellent teacher. And, um, and so he starts, what Jesus starts doing is listing illustrations on how do you move through, instead of relying on your sense of safety and security, like living in a city of fishers to produce this good Christian life and avoiding whatever is going on in Bates Hendricks, Right? Hey, you made fun of my hair last week. I, got, I, had to, I had to give you. I had to give back. Effort. 
So Jesus gives us a, one illustration. It says, so if you are presenting a sacrifice at the altar in the temple and you suddenly remember that someone has something against you, leave your sacrifice at the altar. Go and be reconciled to that person. Then come and offer your sacrifice. He's telling his disciples, hey, you've got these laws about religious propriety, but reconciling to your brother is of utmost importance. That's where you will find kingdom living. Not in your words, not in following the rules, but in the way of Jesus, the way that the kingdom is revealed. He was less concerned with right living and more concerned about righteousness. Jesus is telling his disciples that to be salt and light, to be a picture and a foretaste of the coming kingdom, to have righteousness beyond the righteousness of your ancestors and the teachers of the law, then go reconcile with your brother. Instead of just knowing the words of Jesus and doing the works of Jesus, he invites us into the way of his kingdom. The way doesn't use human power. The way doesn't use human power to avoid our pain as the pathway into righteousness. The way of Jesus helps us move through our pain and hurt and guilt and into reconciliation. As we take the words of Jesus and reconcile with our brothers and sisters, or with our spouse, or with our child, or with our co-workers, or with each of us within this room. We step into living a kingdom life. And we stop being afraid of being bad. We don't have to hold on to being right. We don't have, we don't have to look at the people kneeling at NFL games and point the finger at them and saying, they're doing it wrong. We don't have to hold on to being right because kingdom hearts desire reconciliation over being right. And friends, in a world where people think they can secure a good Christian life through their knowledge and through their goodness, we proclaim the good news that Jesus redeems our hearts and gives us new life. So here's how this is working in my life. Here's how I am moving beyond just the words of Jesus and the works of Jesus between learning what Jesus said and following the rules of a perceived good Christian life. Uh, I don't know if you knew this, but uh, my wife turned the uh, ripe uh, old age of 40 a couple weeks ago. Yay, Carmen. And, uh, yeah, happy birthday. And, um, and so if you know anything about me, like, uh, I can throw a pretty darn good party. Uh, if anybody's ever been to my house at a gathering or whatever, like, I can, I can leverage uh, my talents and my creativity uh, and my resources. One of my resources is sitting in this room. His name is Austin Steele. Uh, he, he gave me the great idea about uh, a, a dining experience in downtown Indy. So if I know anything about my wife, right, then she needs her birthday to have friends, right, and food, 
and possibly a clean house. I mean, there's other rules. There's, there's, there's other rules that you know, we need to follow. One of them is don't talk to her before she's had coffee. You know, and another rule that we have is, or that she has is like, or just something that I know about her is uh, she, it is impossible for her to get angry with me if I'm cleaning something, right? <laughs> but for her 40th birthday, I know that there are three things that would probably bless her soul, right? And which are food, friends, and a clean house. Well, I had nailed this plan for her 40th birthday. I had completely nailed it. And um, so the part, uh, so as part of my clean house initiative, what I told, uh, I, I gave my girls simple instructions, and I gave one of, one of our daughters um, the instruction of cleaning the shoe bench. Okay, so going out to our garage, there's a shoe bench, and shoes just kind of scatter. We have a shoe bench, but somehow the shoes end up on the shoe floor instead of the shoe bench. So one of the instructions I gave him was to clean up the shoe bench. And after I instructed her to clean the shoe bench, I walk outside to, to hang out with neighbors and to bask in my awesomeness for putting together this awesome 40th birthday party for Carmen. And as I was outside for about five minutes basking in my awesomeness, uh, Carmen exited the garage and she started walking up to me with her walk. Right? And I know this walk. And this is the walk that indicates to you, oh, shoot, something bad just happened. Shoot, mama ain't happy. So Carmen proceeds to tell me about the interaction that she had uh, with our daughter at the shoe bench. And I get this overwhelming sense of like, oh, like I had everything planned and now there's this altercation between my daughter and my wife. So the, within the 37 steps that it took me to, from basking in my awesomeness to the garage door, uh, I started getting angry. And I started indulging this anger. And I just, so whenever I walked through the garage door, I found my daughter. And my daughter started explaining her distaste in this conversation that she had with her mother about the shoe bench. And I started yelling at her. I got really, really angry at her. I indulged my anger. You see, friends, I had this perfect plan for my wife's 40th birthday party. And by golly, I was going to nail it. And I expected everybody to conform to my plans, what I had for the day. I had felt this sense of security and safety within my plans. I found that the good life was going to, be, was going to come through this flawless execution of my wife's 40th birthday party. And not only that, I was going to feel good about myself. Right? Yeah. I was going to have 800 Facebook likes whenever the pictures came out from my wife's 40th birthday party. That's where the good life was going to come from. But, those, but the will of my daughter had crossed my will. 
I was a demanding and expecting conformity and obedience from my daughter. And when she did not give it to me, when she did not follow the rules, I lost my mind. And I realized that my anger towards my daughter wasn't because she was being disobedient. It was because I had an overwhelming sense of sadness and shame that if my daughter didn't conform, uh, then what would Carmen think of me? What would Sarah and Austin think of me? What would Mandy and Ignacio think of me? I believed that the good life was going to come through the approval of others, but it came at the expense of the relationship from my daughter. I indulged my anger, and I used power to get people to, get, to try to get her to conform. And as I, on Friday, as I was putting together this sermon, um, and I guess I didn't do it very well because I was missing a page. <laughs> um, as I was sitting under these verses on Friday in front of the computer, um, one of the verses popped out at me. It said, leave. If, something, if someone has something against you, leave your gifts at the altar and go and be reconciled. And friends, I am not one to trust Jesus at his word. I, I, I feel safer just knowing what Jesus says and maybe following some rules like giving my tithe or taking communion. Right? That gives me a sense of safety and security. Or, oh, if, if I feel bad, like I'll pray about it because like, God says to pray. But as I was sitting under this sermon, um, I knew what I had to do. So I left the security of knowing what Jesus says, and I left the safety. I left the safety of sermon prep, and I moved into the scandalous way of going and reconciling with my daughter. So I found Genevieve, precious little Genevieve. And I kneeled before her, and I said, Genevieve, do you remember when I got really upset with you? Uh, and whenever it was Mommy's birthday, and I told you that if you didn't behave, you were going to ruin Mommy's birthday? And she goes, yeah. And I said, I am really sorry. I didn't mean she goes, it's okay, Daddy. It's okay. You see, friends, kingdom life, living, <laughs> Jesus is after more than just our religious propriety. He's after more than just you knowing a bunch of good things and doing a bunch of good things. He's after your heart. He's after your intentions. He's after your desires. And that's what he has come to redeem and reconcile. That's his branding here on the earth. A friend, a friend of mine, uh, who may or may not be sitting in the room, uh, said one time, he said, affluence and activity insulates us from dealing with our grief and our sadness. And I can't help but think, because living in fissures, it produces this, like, 
safety barrier of escape from any badness or wrongness that, I can, that I'm either capable of or other people are capable of, right? And today, friends, we proclaim the good news. We proclaim the good news that in a world where we find our security and our safety in leveraging our talent, where we leverage our city to find good, the good life, Jesus is asking us to move through our anger, through our badness, and living a kingdom life. Here in a few minutes, we're, we're going to be able to respond to this good news. Um, and here's, here's what I'm going to tell you. Matt, um, I, I don't mean to rain on your Puerto Rico parade, um, but um, we are going to be taking up an offering today. We're going to be taking up an offering, and uh, the, the offering is is doing good work for the people in Puerto Rico. But might I suggest today that if someone is angry with you or you are angry with someone, might I suggest that you hold on to that offering and go and be reconciled and then bring your gifts at the altar.